Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Knollcast. So, Bud, we'll switch our attention to the Jacksonville State game this weekend. Obviously, we're not going to give you 35 minutes purely devoted to Jacksonville State. Got a couple questions, got a couple things that we uh, want to look for that's somewhat, you know, not necessarily tied <clears throat> to the opponent being played. Uh, but we're always fortunate to be able to come back, do one of these at any time. We'll thank our great sponsors, Tarpon Sellers Wine Company, fantastic people. Uh, looking forward to seeing them as they get a little further in the season. Right now, they're caught up with things like wine harvest and uh, things that are somewhat important to a company like that. But uh, great, great wine selection, whether it be Chardonnay, whether it be their their cab that is really considered one of the better Cabernets out there. Um, if you want to go to their website, tarpensellers.com, use the coupon code NOLCAST, you will receive 20% off anything that you order. So, Bud, we've got a uh, decent amount of stuff to try to get to tonight, so let's uh, let's jump into it here. Yeah, so uh, last week, I don't know if you guys saw this, uh, there was a team that made the news called Bishop Sycamore. And Bishop Sycamore is essentially like a fake high school in Ohio, and they kind of finessed their way, ended up getting on ESPN, and they played IMG Academy which is on national TV. And IMG, of course, has like A.J. Duffy, FSU's quarterback commit. And basically every single person on their offense and defense will play FBS football and probably like high-level Power 5 football. And some of the backups will also play Power 5 football. So if you actually don't have a lot of good players on your team, it's a really good way to get exposed. Uh, turns out the head coach was wanted for some various stuff and I think probation violation. Uh, the school used to, there is no Bishop Sycamore, by the way. Like, there is no bishop named Sycamore. I'm not Catholic, but uh, yeah, there's no Bishop Sycamore. They also were a non Catholic, quote unquote, school before they ran into a bunch of kind of sketchy fraud type stuff. Uh, they were some kind of like Church of Christ named school, and then they switched to Catholicism <laughs> when, when, they, when they changed their name. Uh, Anyway, I did a whole video on this on Cover 3. Uh, but Ingram and I had a few pops on Saturday night at the hotel, and we were talking about the story and how crazy it was, and we were watching a couple games. And one of them was the Miami game against Alabama. Already got a lot of fa Miami fans riled up because I said, Dear King will be going pro in something other than sports, which is the old NCAA tagline. I meant it as a compliment. I mean, Miami's a great school. So, anyway, uh, so we thought we would play a game called Miami or Bishop Sycamore. And you can play along at home with us. Let us know what your answers were. We will kind of just go back and forth with each other and play this game. Ingram, uh, you want to you wanna quiz me? Yeah, absolutely. The uh, <clears throat> game show that is quickly taking over the country, or at least will give us a couple minutes of laughs in a podcast that would otherwise be devoted to a Jacksonville State preview. So... Firing off here with our finest uh, game show music underneath the old dun 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 dun. But two weeks prior to playing the best team in the country, this team was busy playing the war chant in their practice fields. I don't know. I mean, because IMG like doesn't do that, so or they don't play. I, Miami was playing at the war chant two weeks before playing Alabama. Ding ding ding! You are right, sir. On the first part of this. Your fun quiz that we're playing. Second one is this school is perhaps missing part of its IPF. Uh, well, 
Bishop Sycamore seems to be kind of like a totally fraudulent high school. So I'll, I'll go with Bishop Sycamore. Wrong, sir. This would be Miami. Suspected as, as much as missing 30 yards of what would be required for most oh, um, traditional indoor practice facilities. I mean, I kind of I, I want to protest the game right now, right? Because Bishop Sycamore is probably missing its entire IPF. It may be. You're right. We Unless they use like on, one of those uh, conference rooms at the, of the hotels they stay. We we do have a category for both, and perhaps that's where we should have landed that one. Ah, that's, uh, okay. That's my error. Um, Are we making this up on the fly? I kind of like it. If so, <laughs> this this is good. Uh, okay. I got one for you here. Uh, this school is connected to or suspected of Pell Grant fraud. Mm. I'm going to play the both card on this one here. Ding. Yes. Uh, Miami certainly has been in trouble for Pell Grant fraud in the past. Bishop Sycamore kind of trying to figure out how they're making money. Their GoFundMe only had a couple of hundred dollars towards its $20,000 goal. <laughs> Obviously, they get a little bit of an appearance fee for appearing on ESPN. But uh, yeah, just some... Some questionable stuff there. I, I think both is probably the most correct answer. Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, let's see. I'll throw this one at you. The school was recently humiliated on national television, questioning many or causing many to question why would they schedule this game? Uh, this is another both. I think. Yeah. Both. Yeah, ding, 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 ding. Both. I might have written too many boasts here, but uh, let's see. I one, got one for you here. Please. Uh, so. I don't know if you guys realize this, Bishop Sycamore actually played IMG last year, right? Uh, just that's important context for this upcoming question. They also lost by like 60. This team claims to be much better this year due to an influx of talent and greater experience. <laughs> oh, which certainly, certainly could be the good lads from Ohio, but I'm going to have to go with both on this one as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're damn, Ingram is. is Ingram is sharp here. I'm on top of my, my U trivia, definitely. Uh, let's see. Okay, so the next one. This, this school actually doesn't have an on-campus stadium. Oh. Uh, well, certainly Miami's got an on-campus stadium, right? Like major, major school. So I'm going to go Bishop Sycamore because yeah. I know they, they were playing in like the Hall of Fame Bowl in Kenton, Ohio. Yeah, big program, absolutely. No, no, unfortunately, you would be required to ride a bus 40 to 50 minutes to get to Miami Stadium uh, that they have an active lease on. So, yes, no, they, they, they like Bishop Sycamore, don't own a stadium, uh, nor does it happen to be anywhere particularly close to their campus. All so right? like neither of them are, are making any money off the park? Uh, off yes, the park. right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, this school has had national media ask if it's a good decision for them to drop their football program. Ooh. Uh, you know what? I remember the Sports Illustrated cover. Yes. I'm going both. 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 Yeah. Absolutely. My guidance counselor in high school is a big Miami fan. And I always found it odd that he had that cover of, he had that episode or uh, issue of Sports Illustrated framed in his office and uh he just said it was the last sports illustrated he ever got so <laughs> all right well if you're gonna cancel your sub after that back in the days when a sub was like a a big damn deal so nowadays sports yeah. illustrated like doesn't yeah even exist it's not not quite what it used to yeah. be and our final question this school slash supporter base gets real sensitive when people start throwing the u upside down or even when they break it just to have two L's. Oh, did you see that lady in Jacksonville on the news? She did. She did this, and then she went. 
break the ale. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah. Um, yes. I, I this one I'm going my. I, I don't know what Bishop Sycamore sign is. Yeah, I haven't seen. Uh... Although maybe if like if Bishop Sycamore, have you thought about this? When you put your hands behind your back, sir, that kind of makes a like you could point your fingers <laughs> to really make the upside down U. It could be. I'm, sh- I'm sure they're pretty sensitive during that time, right? Yeah, that's true. I bet you they'll uh, be not not very happy with you if you go around throwing around the upside down U, and you may even be threatened to be uh, have your invitation revoked to the kickoff. Uh, excuse me, to the cookout. So right. well, that'll be it for this episode of the U or Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> Uh, you know, Lord knows we get accused of taking ourselves too seriously, and I doubt that was the funniest three minutes of podcasting ever. But I uh, guarantee you, after a couple scotches on Saturday night, that was like, yes, we we were dying. Yeah, yeah, we Um, it was. Yeah, we should uh, we should required that for a pre-listening show. It was Uh, like 150 percent funny to us. So if it was like at least 30 (laughs) percent funny to y'all, I mean that. Hopefully, you enjoyed it there. All right, I got a couple lingering. Uh, listener questions, patreon.com slash nolcast is the best way to get your questions to us. Of course, you can send us questions anyway. Patreon is not required, but we do always look at those first, which is why we started it, because we do get so many. Um, you know, if you want to email us, nolcast at gmail.com. Also on Twitter and Instagram, nolcast. Put a picture of some wings that I smoked up there today, just working on, on my tailgating skills for this football season. We've got some cool weather finally coming. Maybe not this weekend, maybe starting next weekend, but I'm I'm certainly excited about that. Uh, Ingram, so Roche, uh, a carryover question from last episode, and he wants to know, uh, hey, I wanted, I wanted to know your take on high school players skipping your senior seasons. Seems like the only thing keeping kids from doing that is having a senior year experience, but once football seasons is, season is over, I think we'll see kids start leaving if they can. Uh, what do you guys think? Is FSU in a position to accept guys if they wanted to come early? Uh, so it's a good question from Roche, and it's a reminder that, you know, hey, like sometimes that's actually very possible. Uh, I think what he brings up here, I first thought he meant like just, I kind of thought Roche was saying like, I'm inventing the concept of early enrolling. But what he's talking about really is skipping your junior spring semester, right? So you still play your fall semester of your junior year, right? And then maybe just go or skipping, you know what I'm talking about? Possibly, I guess. But yes, FSU absolutely does have room uh, to take early enrollees this year, and they they intend to do so. Like they want to get these guys in the program as quickly as possible. Uh, yeah, I do think it'll be fascinating to see more. Um, basically, the equivalency of an opt out. You know, like a uh, Sam McCall looked like he might have minorly dinged his uh, ankle or something like that. Say, say Travis Hunter sprains his ankle two weeks from now. Obviously, we won't even speak of any kind significant with Mister Hunter, but. Uh, a minor injury. I wonder if something like that in the future doesn't just uh, move these kids into maybe skipping some of their season. I know that nobody wants to bail on their senior year of football and that that's a little bit tough. Um, but certainly, you know, like the Ohio State kids, an outlier, or, uh, you know, that uh, the Ewers, last name Ewers, the quarterback, bud. Uh, yep, Quinn Ewers. Um, if $1.3 million is on the, <laughs> is on the other side of that rainbow, then, you know, people's senior season of high school football maybe maybe be damned. Uh, but, you know, for now, players like that, those are the exception to the rule. Uh, but if you see a more defined NIL pipeline, I think you could see uh, a more of an exodus as to the way that I originally kind of read Rasej's question. I, I think that's, that's fair. Um, ultimately, 
what are these high school associations gaining by preventing their very best players from making some NIL money? Like, what what is what is the goal here? Like, do they really think that money's going to go to the team in general or to high school coaches if you don't allow the players to make it? I mean, uh, 99.99% of high school players don't have marketability by themselves uh, unless they have some kind of external skill. And a very, very small fraction do. And the advertisers they'd be t- working with are not the type of folks who are just going to support a random you know, high school football team. So I think eventually we are going to see some of these states change these rules. Otherwise, you're going to see some of these private academies that are not subject to state regulations. Uh, you're going to see them get even more talent if that's possible because I think we will start seeing high school kids get name, image, and likeness deals. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's crazy to think that Quinn Ewers didn't have any value until he signed with Ohio State, right? Probably had some value. Yeah. But- just, just a little bit there. Yeah. Uh, next question, and these next three are from email. Like you said, we certainly give Patreons a priority, but we uh, did have a couple of good questions from the email inbox and pulled them. One, Chris Lee wrote us, longtime listener and diehard Louisiana hot sauce enthusiast. Uh, he says, I'll get straight to the point. What if Milton is used as closer as in baseball? Travis gets the majority of the first and uh, first through three quarter reps and keeps games close. Uh, and then maybe if you're up by a touchdown or a field goal, or if you need a touchdown or field goal, uh, Milton would at this point be entered in, uh, at either a comeback for either a comeback win or a, uh, winnable deficit, obviously blowout reps go to party, uh, just kind of a broader question as to how they're going to manage the quarterback snaps. What are your thoughts, gentlemen? Yeah, I think it's an interesting question. Um, I would almost flip it, right? Uh, I, as a Rays fan, I'm a, I'm a big fan of using the opener where you, you pitch a guy for one inning and then you have a, a kind of a bulk reliever come in and he pitches about three or four innings, sometimes five, and, and you use your bullpen to close it out. I think it, it's, it's, it's questionable because if you have Milton come in late, he may be in a better position to help you throw the football. So from that standpoint, I, I, I like Chris's idea. Um, but if he comes in late, there's a good number of games in which you're going to be down late and perhaps down big late. So you, you kind of have to figure like, is that really fair to McKenzie Milton? Um, you could, you could just sort of start him if you think he gives you the best chance to win as a starter and if things get out of hand, then put in Jordan, right? To, to save, to save shots on McKenzie. I, I think you're going to play both of them this weekend, by the way. I also think Purdy's going to get in the game and play some reps. Uh, we'll talk about Jacksonville State in a little bit. Uh, I think your point, though, man, that uh, you you noted, is McKenzie Milton really set up to play five or 600 snaps? And the guy's on the sideline like the whole time with the Theragun trying to get that foot to feel right. This is a discussion that we had in our previous podcast, if yes. you haven't otherwise listened to us. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's... Look, McKenzie has blown away the norm and the medical expectation of this already. So you're, you're doing, you're talking about a guy that has defied the odds at a level that is exceptional, but the feedback that I get, and even more so after the, after the game is that uh, they're thrilled about McKenzie. They're really excited about what he brought. Uh, He offered a level of play in the game that you can still look at guys in the eyes uh, of your locker room and justify having a very small, you know, kind of snap count during the week. I would say during <clears throat> fall practice, you can't 
ask your linebacker and your tight end and every other position on the field to go out and bust their ass every day and tell them that, hey, look, you guys are playing for snaps. You guys are playing to be a starter or backup, whatever. And then look those same guys in the eyes and say, hey, look, I'm going to go with a quarterback who hasn't particularly practiced well if he's practiced at all. Uh, When you have a guy play like that in a game setting, you have a locker room that's a little more willing to give, uh, you know, buy-in and, and leeway towards what is kind of otherwise expected from everybody else. So, uh, yeah, I think McKenzie, the perfect idea for them is to try to, you know, get him somewhere between 25 and maybe 32 snaps a game, something like that. Now, there'll probably be games where he gets more, uh, but there is a concern as to what the, you know, repercussions of that will be and, and how ready he is to contribute if they put a whole lot more snaps on his leg, at least for now. Maybe five or six games into the season, that number's 42 rather than 32. I don't know. Uh, but there, this is a, you know, this is an experience where nobody knows the exact answer and they're trying to get a feel for what exactly they can expect for this kid's or expect from this kid's leg. I think that's fair. Um, so Eric asks, Hey guys, big fan of the show. My question is, do you think at any point, uh, in the season, we will be FSU will show up at any place in the AP poll given their schedule? I think it's possible. I'm thinking after the UMass game, there's a real chance for the team to sneak in the polls with a four and two or maybe five and one record if things go their way. Any thoughts on this? It'd be the first time in a while that we saw a number beside our beloved FSU Seminoles. Uh, yeah, it would be the first time in quite some time. Um, were they ranked against Vatek in 18? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they were. I think, weren't they 21 or something like that? I, I think thought. so. So when's the last time that this team was ranked in October? 2016, maybe? Yeah, 16, I believe. They did have that pretty crazy loss in 16. So, uh, I mean, they, I don't know, like, did that loss bounce them? Ingram, I don't know if they were ranked in October, man, because they, they lost at home to UNC as well that year in 16. Remember? Mm, yeah. And they had a right. one point win at Miami. That, that was the uh, Demarcus Walker block. And then they, so they beat Miami by one. They so beat by Virginia 11. Tech was a number 20 Virginia Tech playing 19 Florida State okay. to open the year. I wonder when, like, really when the last time they were ranked in October? Maybe, maybe 15? Yeah, I guess you got to go. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's kind of interesting. So in 15, yeah, it, it's definitely 15 because they, 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 uh, they would have started out the year ranked highly. They had a pretty cake schedule to start. They, they started Texas State, USF, at Boston College, at Wake, and uh, host Miami, host Louisville. Uh, and that was before Lamar, right? Or was that Lamar? That was like that first Lamar year where he really didn't know what he was doing yet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, th- then they go and they lose on Georgia Tech. They, they lose at Clemson. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's been six years since they've been ranked in October, I'm fairly sure. I there's no use in us sitting here bogging the pod down. I think they would have been ranked at some point in October of 16. Uh, I know they lost, but they exited that Clemson game at five and three. So I imagine they were ranked at five and two going into it. Would be my my guess there. Interesting. I wonder. Um, hmm. We we will do some post pod research. Oh, actually, no. I have the full AP poll right here, week by week. All right, so they started out as number 
Yeah, they're number 12, actually, when they play Clemson. They're number 12 when they play Clemson? So they, they ranked these guys at three and two still. Really? Okay. So the 26, wow. 2016, yeah. So the, the October 2nd one, after they lost to UNC, they were still ranked 23rd. Okay. That is a, that's a tremendous amount of respect. No, still had Dalvin. Oh, you had a bunch of teams, bunch of teams to lose that week. Michigan State, San Diego State, TCU, Texas, and Georgia all lost. So that was one of those weeks you had you had you know five other uh, ranked teams lose. So you did still have Dalvin. That's true. Dalvin, Dalvin, Dalvin should be ranked just by himself. Yeah, exactly. You know, just let me go in there and hand the ball off to Dalvin a couple times. Yeah. Um, all right, so final question here. Let me pull this back up. Uh, this is some good podcasting right now. But if you got it in front of you, you want to read it? I'm somehow taking uh, yeah, away. Sorry, I was watching Dallas try to do like 106-yard or uh, interception return. All right, sorry about that. Uh, so actually, first, I should probably knock out an ad read, right? I want to give a big shout-out to Legendary Home Loans. And shout-out, by the way, to Shannon, who is now licensed in North Carolina, announcing that on his Twitter. So make sure you give him a call if you're one of our North Carolina listeners. We do know we have some North Carolina Knowles on the show. 844-FSU-LOAN. It's 844-FSU-LOAN. I've made that call twice. Well, I mean, I've called Shannon a lot of times, but I've made that call twice for home loan purposes, first with my home loan and then with my refi. Awesome customer service, great rates, just a great experience. You know, it's not like going through getting a home loan is fun, but the result of actually getting your home is fun. And let's make this process as painless as possible by calling 844 FSU loan. So, getting back to the show here with the questions, uh, Trevor wants to know Hey, from what all I could see by watching the game on TV Sunday night, it seemed like FSU's players played with maximum effort from start to finish. The effort level, in my opinion, seemed like one of the biggest contributing factors to the score being as, as close as it was. Uh, massive chunk plays for us didn't hurt either. Do you guys think that level of intensity and focus is sustainable? Losses in particular, like the ones we saw Sunday night, where the team gives their all and still come up just short, can be demoralizing and hard to match up again. Thanks for everything you guys do. Go Knowles, go Louisiana Hot Sauce, and go Jesus. <laughs> Trevor, very much appreciate that. And um, man, I got to tell you, like, no, I don't think that's sustainable. Not in that same, not not on a, a game by game basis. It is nice to know they can reach that level. Uh, the question to me is, how big is the drop-off? Does it have to be a huge drop-off, or can it just be sort of a, a moderate drop-off? They're gonna, they're not going to play with the same passion and energy uh, and crowd pumped upness level come Saturday against against Jacksonville State. Some of these guys are probably pretty tired, though. I know they just played one game, but they just came off camp and they they played a Sunday game. Now they got to go play a Saturday game, so they're they're on short rest. Uh, but no, like realistically, I don't think that this team is the type of team. Yet that's going to play with insane effort every week. I, I just don't. Um, but can they take a step in the right direction? Can they play harder than maybe some teams in the past have? I think we already saw that on Sunday. Yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, I complete agreement with you that it's just not impo- It's not possible to match that again. It's not going to be. Uh, it is going to be an eight o'clock game, but it's not going to be the national game of the week. It's not going to be something you've had circled. Uh, on your calendar. It's not going to be something going into it that if you know you don't play well, you've got a damn good chance of getting embarrassed. Uh, it is great to see 
that the student section has sold out again. I'm not saying that that's going to equal the atmosphere of last Sunday night, but that's a, a great sense of buy-in and consistency and some level of support. And, um, you know, they've certainly made some changes there with the student seating. It seems to have had some positive uh, responses. So um, I'm sure it'll be a decent little environment, but it's not going to get confused with that. But you don't have to get to that level again. Uh, and the main, the main thing is <clears throat> that you don't let it drop so much. And uh, I know I've mentioned this a couple times recently, but it's one of the reasons why I'm so glad you're not playing Wake at, at noon. I mean, you just uh, don't need to walk into some kind of uh, echoey, you know, sleepy kind of game against this team like that. Uh, so um, I think, you know, you've got a coach that, who has love him or don't like him, whatever. Uh, and I've said this for a couple of years, even those that don't love Mike Norvell from a professional standpoint, will talk to you about the guy's attention to detail and uh, he'll start getting their schedules lined up for the times of kickoff, uh, you know, the walkthroughs, stuff like that. will be more paired with trying to get your body clock right. You can, you know, that makes a small amount. Doesn't mean that you're necessarily always going to be have that same level of focus and everything else. Uh, but whatever can be done, Mike Norvell and staff will do and uh, have a lot more faith in a staff trying to get a team's head focused on each individual game and trying to do everything they can from a, a sports science perspective to have their, you know, have their body ready to participate at that particular time. I think that's totally fair. Um, look, here's the other thing in this type of game. If, if the guys don't play with great energy, put some backups in. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're going to lose the game. I mean, unless I'm way wrong about this, which I could be, I didn't think I was going to score too many points against Notre Dame. And they certainly did. Made me look pretty dumb. Um, yeah. I, I think like, you're not going to, you're not going to, get that same level of effort every game. It is nice to know you can get there for certain games. My thing is like, do you go out and you, do you play with great purpose against Wake, right? If you come home and, and the crowd's not a sellout for Louisville, maybe you get a, a sleepy noon spot. Are you self-motivating for that? Like, do you play with good urgency for that game? Too often, I do think that uh, sometimes because of, of the, the logo on, on the jersey, you know, and maybe on the helmet, some teams were like, hey, we're a little more up for this game than FSU is for us. I think that's bit FSU in the butt recently because FSU didn't have the talent to, to not take the opponent seriously, but too often they kind of did. We'll have to see. I'm definitely not going to say they're not going to do that now because I don't know yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to watch. It will be interesting to see where that Louisville game falls. And I, what do they have to make that declaration next week? Is that right? Um Unless they six-day option it, right? Okay. Well, they probably will do that. So, and somewhat tied to Eric's question, honestly, I think if you go up and beat Wake Forest, you'll be fairly close to having a number next to your name, and I think you will uh, if you beat Louisville. So, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see where that game falls and what the atmosphere is like for a Louisville game. There's certainly a decent amount of people uh, that I know that are making their way back to that, and I think if you're uh, – if you're two and one, that'll, that'll be a pretty interesting scene and uh, a good kind of barometer for where the program is for an important game, but not a you know massive, easy to circle, uh, easy to make plans for a game like the uh, like the one that we saw last Sunday night. Exactly. All right. Uh, so where do you want to go now? So uh, let's just kind of go loosely into our Jack State preview. Obviously, I'm going to give you the reins of that. Uh, very jealous, very jealous about turning that over and letting you talk I, about I Jack State. Uh, but yeah, and then I'll talk about a couple of things that I just like to kind of see 
in general, uh, some of the things that they can do, some of the things they can clean up. Um, so we'll, we'll look at that and try to take away what we can from it. Uh, one thing that I will always use as one of my easiest tools to take away uh, and make you know general decisions on things is when I go to a place and I look at their scotch list and uh, you can get a real good feel for what a venue, restaurant, or anything else is. And when I opened it up, bud, I saw Brooklottich, which is a Isla scotch, very very peaty, kind of similar to Laphroaig, Lagavulin, et cetera. It's my favorite scotch that's out there. I knew that Charlie Park was okay. Well, I, I kind of knew that as soon as I got in the elevator to go up there. But uh, it's, a, it's a great place. Bud and I were able to sit there, talk with Chad and Shannon. TV's all around. Um, just a great setting. Something unique to Tallahassee, or new to Tallahassee, rather. Uh, something that I would say that they needed. Uh, but really cool. You've got a, a decent little stretch kind of on the outside there where you overlook um, little like a little bit of a lake RC. area. Yeah, you know, and then you've got a great kind of lounge inside. So, But it was cool. chill. Like, it wasn't loud. I, I could hear, like, I, I could have a conversation with Shannon and Chad, you know, and, and you and, and Chad's son. And, and, like, I mean, it was just a good vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it didn't feel like super college-y. Um, yeah. It was good. It was good. All right, Ben. So some of the things that we could just, or that I'll look for. Um, first of all, so Jordan Travis, certainly, in my opinion, has improved as a thrower. Where most of that improvement was seen was when he did not, when he was not making reads, when he had preset decisions as to where he was going with the ball. Obviously, you know, the uh, long touchdown pass to Douglas is, is kind of the best example of that. But even when you go back and watch film, there's a you know third and long play that Notre Dame is willing to let you throw underneath, but still, Travis moves his feet well. It's kind of a half rollout, gets his feet set, throws one of the better balls of the night. There's a couple balls into the flat that he makes decent throws on. Again, those are not uh, decisions. Those are you know pre-decided uh, as to where he's going with it. And I know that uh, it's a work in progress and a guy that's still only started a, a relatively small amount of games, but you got to get better uh, both seeing what's out there and then believing in yourself to make the decision based off what you see. And uh, he's got to be a little bit more anticipatory and he's just got to, you know, his, his first read's got to be, and I don't mean his first read as far as like a route tree or what he sees with the defense, but his first look uh, as he's got to start to feel comfortable with, hey, if that guy's open, then he's open now. He's not open after I look at him, give almost kind of like a, a, uh, a uh, half pump fake and then try to come back to it a second from now. So Jordan Travis being more comfortable with, uh, with making his progressions and then uh, delivering better passes after that is something that I very much hope to see. I agree with you on that. I'd like to see some better snaps. Um, that would be cool. Like just, obviously we don't know the, the status of, of Smith and I, there's a couple guys in his offensive lines. Like, when are they going to get right? Are they going to get right this year? You really hope they get right this year. Uh, with you know Smith and, and DLT and those dudes, we'll say thought Washington played pretty damn well mm-hmm. on 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 Sunday night. That was a nice step forward. I don't think Scott played that badly. You know who did play badly or poorly? Jacksonville State against UAB. They played on September first, so they have they've had a nice long layoff here. FSU did not play on September first. <laughs> they played on Sunday, so they have a little, little bit of of short rest. Jacksonville State, uh, they got blanked by UAB, 31 nothing. 
there are some guys in this game you should probably know about. FSU has played this team fairly recently. So, uh, Zarek Cooper is their quarterback. I think he's a pretty damn good FCS quarterback. On Friday, September 1st, he was not a very good, good FCS quarterback. He was 17 of 34, so 50%, whatever, for 86 yards. I got to tell you, man, that is, uh, it is difficult to throw the ball 34 times and only get 80. Only get 86 yards. And that's it's 2.5 yards play, basically. That's horrendous. Success rate, 24%. Uh, they had a lot of like negative yardage plays where they were so discombobulated that UAV was tackling their swing passes for losses. Uh, I'm just going to tell you guys straight up, I have no idea what to expect in this game at all. I think UAV has some nice pieces. They've got a safety who will be an all-conference kid for them. Know they have at least one good offensive lineman if you read some of the media guide stuff. I watched a little bit of this game against UAB. It was unwatchable. Like I I watch a lot of football. I don't usually turn off football because it's bad because it's on in the background. This was pretty hard to watch, man. Um, just really, really bad. Uh, their leading receiver on the night had 40 yards on seven targets which is not good at all. He caught three out of seven targets. Um, their run game, Derek Cooper was the best runner, the QB. Six carries for 30 yards. Pat Jackson, two carries, 22. Another guy had four, carry, or four carries for one yard. Another dude had four carries for 13 yards. Other than the one offensive lineman, the rest of their offensive line and their blocking schemes were just completely overwhelmed by UAB. UAB is a fairly decent CUSA team that I think could win the CUSA. Florida State, I believe, would beat UAB fairly comfortably. Like they wouldn't blow them out, but like I would, I wouldn't be like sweating the UAB game if I had to pick FSU against them, right? So I'm trying to give you guys some context. Like in my ratings, um, so like Georgia this weekend is like a 25-point favorite over UAB, right? So FSU would be favored over UAB, in my opinion, um, based on what we saw at FSU this last weekend. UAB beat these guys 31 to nothing. There is a spread out there. I can't get to it to bet it. It's 22. I would lay the 22, even with a short rest. I don't really think that the turnaround is very likely uh, for for Jacksonville State. The weird thing, by the way, I will note is that there was only one sack in this game, despite the offensive line getting kind of overwhelmed. But Jacksonville State just got rid of the ball so quickly, but not in any sort of effective right. <laughs> fashion. There's like, whoo, get rid of it. There's a lot of like motion they do. They do some like jet and some orbit stuff. Uh, they had one explosive play the entire game, and that would be defined as rush over 12 or pass over 16. So they had one play out of 68 plays that was an explosive play. So I will say this. If FSU is allowing explosive plays in this game, I will be a little bit disappointed because mm-hmm. UAB certainly did not. And not that I think your focus is going to be great, even though people should say, hey, you lost the game. You better come out focused. I get that. But man, I'm, I'm looking for anything here out of that first game they played. And I, I don't see it. They averaged... 14 yards per drive. Yeah. 
that's a, another thing that I'll look for. That's not uh, opponent specific. It's just the defense certainly did a better job uh, than they have in years previous, as far as getting lined up and having some relatively, uh, you know, decent understanding of what was expected to them on each play. But there's still some plays where guys are, you know, running in the last second, not lined up, confused. Uh, which, hey, look, it's it's game one. Uh, that that's going to happen, but. Uh, the old cliches, you know, there's no week where you get more improvement from week one to week two. And uh, it would it would be nice to see a defense that's, uh, you know, fully prepared, understanding as to where the lineup and uh, ready at the time of the ball snap. Because it sounds like that's pretty much the only way that this offense uh, has a chance of, of even inflicting kind of minor to medium damage is uh, getting you a little bit confused and immediately trying to take advantage of it being some of the short stuff. So weird. Um, I, I, I don't get how they're that bad. I, 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 I don't. Like, that is hard to do. You know. I, I, um. Yeah. Uh, like, I'm trying to find their best play. I think it was. Oh, here's their best play on the day. Uh, second and ten in third, almost the end of the third quarter. Uh, Zarek Cooper passes complete to, I found their explosive play, uh, to to P.J. Wells for 24 yards to the Jacksonville State 49 for a first down. So a pass of 24 uh, from their own 25. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, I wish I had more for you. Uh, I will, like, caution, this has historically been a better team than this. They still have Cooper, who I'm sure the broadcast will try to hype as an NFL guy, and maybe they should. But unless they had a bunch of guys out with like contact tracing or something that I'm not aware of, and I didn't hear the former broadcast talk about, 31 nothing almost undersells how bad that thing was. Well, one guy that we're always fortunate that has uh, great stuff for us and, and so many of our listeners that have contacted him is Matt Lewis. Uh, Matt is our point of contact at Congruity and has been uh, kind of such a blessing for us. You can reach Matt at 844-247-4100 or Knowles at Congruity HR. Uh, you know, Congruity, as we say frequently, is experiencing your business optimized, whether you're looking for HR solutions, for uh, help doing payroll, whatever it may be. Uh, just a great company <clears throat> and people that we're ever so proud to work with for year number two here. So again, Congruity HR is the website, and Knowles, N-O-L-E-S, at Congruity HR is the best way to reach one Matt Lewis. You got, uh, should we do a prediction for this game? Yeah, let's do a prediction. Um, I, don't, uh, I guess in theory, we should probably do one for every game that we, that we do here. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I guess we do owe the listeners that. If you guys can't figure this out by now, I am really guessing on this game. I, I, that result... <laughs> against UAB threw me for a loop. Like, I did not think that they were going to be like that bad. And, uh, and they, they, they kind of were, uh, we really haven't talked about their defense that much. UAB is not a good throwing team by any stretch of the imagination. They're a pretty damn good running team with a good offensive line. And, uh, still UAB had their quarterback had a 68% success rate throwing the ball. He was 17 mm-hmm. of 21 for 320 and two tutties. Damn. Okay. Yeah. So, and he's not a good thrower of the ball. Like, like I, I watched these amount of UAB. I bet UAB. 
they're not that great at throwing the ball. A lot of it's off play action. Uh, and then their primary ball carrier was even more ridiculous. He had a 79% success rate. Good to get a little confidence in the boys uh, as before they go into ACC, uh, or at least full ACC play. Um, so whether it be McKenzie, Jordan, whoever else, certainly looks like it's going to be a healthy day for the running backs as well. It'll be fascinating to see if you get the, uh, the Auburn transfer back in because uh, you really do feel like you've got three really good backs. And if you can see something out of him, it gives you confidence that you've got a fourth. You have to feel like you're, uh, you know, you're in a pretty good place here as you enter in the the part of the schedule that you really do kind of have to make hay in. So, uh, do we criticize some people? Uh, I mean, we're never shy of it. So, yeah, why not? I want to criticize all of the other UAB running backs because they, I mean, this UAB emptied the bench and these guys just did not do much <laughs> with, with their opportunities here. So, like, I think UAB, I'm trying to figure out how UAB didn't score more based on this thing. And I, I, I what I realize here is just how many how many backups UAB got. Uh, so, uh, Luke, uh, Lucius Stanley, 33% success rate. I'm going to cut it. Uh, Larry Wooden, two carries, five yards, 0% success rate. Uh, Taitis Smith Lindsay, one carry, negative five yards, obviously, zero success rate. AJ Gates, three for four and zero. Tyler Johnson, the quarterback, uh, two for four and zero. And, uh, Dwayne McBride, the other running back. Uh, 12 carries, 53 yards, two fumbles lost. There you go. 33% success rate. So really not uh, not getting it done there at all uh, for the non-starting running backs for UAB, which is probably why this game wasn't like 50 to nothing. <laughs> uh, they emptied the... Uh... They emptied the bench. Got a lot of people. And since we're being real loosey-goosey before we get to the uh, the predictions here, I was reminded today, I was talking to somebody who's uh, tied in with the Georgia Georgia Tech football program, and they reminded me that last year, and there's some, some decent, I don't want to say bad blood, but there's some decent animosity between uh, Collins and Dabo Sweeney that... Uh, oh, yeah. Dabo Sweeney not only let the punter enter the game as a quarterback for three plays, he let him he let him throw the ball twice uh, as uh, while they were on their way to beating Georgia Tech last year, seventy three to seven. So uh, Dabo, I may take a chuckle at your at your expense every once in a while, but putting the punter in and then letting him throw it is uh, just something that I really have to tip my hat off to you. So good for you, sir. I like that. Um, <clears throat> 47-10? Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I'm kind of mid-46 uh, for them, so I was thinking kind of 44-6, to 46-6, somewhere in that area. Oh. How many quarterbacks play for FSU? Four. I'm going to go three. Okay. Yeah. That's, a, that's a decent little side bet to review. Speaking of review, we actually do have one more thing to talk about tonight uh, that this is, these are unofficial results right now because I have not folded in the snap count or the uh, the special team snaps, and that really oh, right. yeah. that, that could sway this. Uh, but I will note here that uh, for the snap count drafting, I am at 848, and you are at 793. So I have a very uh, narrow and unofficial lead to start the year off. You also have Jamie Robinson, who I think if you had played the full game, you may have the lead on me because some of my guys uh, in the secondary you know, may not have played. Like, does Renardo Green get 20 snaps if if Jamie Robinson is in there? Uh, does, you know, does Kevin Knowles get quite as many? Who knows? This is looking like it's going to be a pretty tight race. 
Yeah, that was fun. I, th- I thoroughly enjoyed that episode, and uh, it'd be fun to monitor it throughout the year. So good on you bringing that up here at the end. All right. Uh, that's all I got, buddy. All right, man. Well, uh, you know, there'll certainly be more detailed uh, opponent preview shows, but this was not necessarily the one to do it. I uh, want to thank uh, the massive amount of support that we've received, whether it be uh, iTunes reviews, listens in general. Uh, the YouTube page is, uh, has done better, really, than either Bud or I had in even our most aggressive and positive uh, projections when we talked about launching this thing a month ago or so, or when we launched it a month ago. We've kind of talked about it for the better part of a year. So just want to thank you all. If you get a chance to give us a review, like on media, on social media, whatever silly other metrics that are used to view popularity and support for a podcast, know that it is greatly appreciated by both of us. And uh, for those of you guys that can be in the Tallahassee area for the Louisville game, hope to see as many of you as possible. But uh, for now, uh, one of us will be back with you with a real hard-hitting instant reaction podcast after the Jacksonville State game, and then we'll uh, kind of continue into this in-season schedule that we've uh, found ourselves in over the last week or so. All right, see y'all. This has been the Nolcast. The Nolcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith, music by Judson Wright, and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Knowles.